So fall 2016 was the very first semester of NMU Chi Alpha. It was Tyler's last semester as a student. Uh, and we decided going into that school year that in our main gatherings, we were going to focus on the life and teachings of Jesus. We're going to work through the Gospels in chronological order, and every message was titled, Jesus and blank, Jesus and something. I don't, I'm not going to ask Tyler if he remembers any of that, but you know, there are titles like Jesus and the reason we're here, Jesus and the outcast, Jesus and the village wedding. That was kind of uh, the theme that semester. And in mid-November, during one of our Chi Alpha night gatherings, we had a, a group discussion between our worship time and the message. And this discussion was supposed to be five to ten minutes, and it ended up being much longer for whatever reason. I can't remember why. But we wrapped up that discussion, and I still had a 20-minute talk lined up for that night. Uh, But we decided as a group to save it for later. So the only thing anyone knew about that message because of the title slide was the title, Jesus and Disappointment. Like this, that's the only thing that people knew about this. Um, and they, they knew that I could pull it out at any time. So we didn't get back to it that school year. Uh, I can't remember why. And in following semesters and years, it didn't really fit in the series themes that we had chosen. And the longer we went without giving this talk, the more it became an inside joke. It kind of took on a life of its own. We would discuss possible series or core group ideas And someone, usually Tucker, would bring up Jesus and disappointment. Hey, what are we going to talk about next week? How about Jesus and disappointment? It just became became a thing. Uh, But no one ever heard that message until today. Until today. We've been in a series on the invitation of Jesus to be his disciples or apprentices. And I have a message in that series that I'm very excited about, but... um, I've had a headache off and on for the past three days, um, so I wasn't able to give it the full attention that it, uh, that it deserves. So I'll look at finishing that one for, uh, for next week. And in the meantime, just talking with Nikki about our, our plans for today, uh, she mentioned Jesus and disappointment. <laughs> it's that one that's in my back pocket, uh, ready to go. And, and she pointed out that, uh, that none of you students heard any of the messages from that first school year, the 16-17 school year. Now, Tyler and Christopher have, and and that's it. Um, They're not new to me, but they would be new to you. And I don't want to get into the habit of recycling material, but I do think uh, disappointment uh, fits in with where where we're headed this semester, because even disciples of Jesus can experience disappointment in their journey with Jesus. Disappointment is a universal human experience, universal human experience. We all experience moments in which reality fails to live up to our expectations. You might have been disappointed in your, in your dinner last night. You might have been disappointed by the Super Bowl last month, mainly because the Packers didn't make it. Or you could be like Ryan and always be disappointed in your football team, the Lions. You might might be disappointed in our topic today. 
you're probably disappointed by several aspects of life over the past 12 months of this pandemic. So you might examine your life and think, this isn't what I expected. This isn't what I expected. I thought I would be somewhere else by now. I thought I would be doing something else. I thought I would be someone else. Disappointment is universal. The circumstances of life will disappoint us. Other people, people who love us, will disappoint us. Friends, family, bosses, leaders, and sometimes even God will disappoint us. We think God should act in a certain way, but he doesn't. We think God should heal our sister, but he doesn't. We think God should make himself obvious in our lives, but he doesn't. And when God acts in a way that's contrary to our expectations, we're vulnerable to disappointment. Disappointment with God. Is, is this an uncomfortable topic? Do we feel okay with this? Are we allowed as disciples of Jesus to talk about disappointment with God? Is it a fair question? And I think it is. The Bible is packed with people who are facing disappointment from cover to cover, even God's people, maybe especially God's people at times, experience disappointment in him. For example, let's look at a few of the Old Testament prophets. So the prophets of Judah and Israel wrestle with the same questions that we face in our time. They deal with the silence of God. They ask about the prevalence of evil. They wonder about suffering. For example, Isaiah said, truly, you are a God who hides himself. Is that something you'd expect a prophet to say? Jeremiah, another prophet, asked how an all-powerful and loving God could allow a world with so many problems. I think we've all thought about that at times. Jonah, another prophet, was severely disappointed when God showed mercy on a city that repented of its sin. And Habakkuk wondered if God could even hear his prayers. So century after century, prophet after prophet was left asking God, can you hear us? Do you care about us? Are you even there? The prophets were given the very words of God for their people. And even the prophets, those presumably closest to God, faced disappointment. So today I want to take some time to look at this idea of disappointment with God, beginning with a a story or a scene in the gospel of Matthew. And this will help illustrate our subject. So let's read in, in Matthew chapter 11, beginning in verse 2, Matthew eleven two 2 through 6. It says this, John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? said, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? Jesus told them, John's disciples, he said, go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And tell him, God blesses those who do, do not turn away because of me. 
So over the years, I've read this passage possibly 30 to 40 times. And every time I read it, every time I'm surprised by John's question, I know it's coming. I know it's there, but I'm still surprised. Are you the one or should we keep looking? So let's look at these five verses and see what the Bible teaches about disappointment with God. I see three points that can be helpful to us. If you are in a season of disappointment, I I think these insights will be an an encouragement to you. And if you're not in a season of disappointment, perhaps they will enable you to help someone who is disappointed with God. So the first point is this. Everyone is vulnerable to disappointment. Everyone is vulnerable to disappointment. In verse three of our passage, we see this question. Are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? The question itself to me is not surprising. Many people were wondering the same thing about Jesus at that time. The most surprising aspect of the question, to me at least, is the person who was asking it. This is John the Baptist, one of the major figures of the early parts of the Gospels. This is a prophet who proclaimed to the crowds the coming of Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one sent by God. John, of all people, should have understood what was happening. At least we think so. So let's look at some of the facts of of John the Baptist's life. John was filled with, with the Holy Spirit from birth, the Bible tells us. His birth itself was a miracle. John's mother and the mother of Jesus were cousins. So John and Jesus were relatives close in age. They knew each other. They knew of each other. Uh, the Bible tells us that John lived in the, in the wilderness apart from society so that he could fully devote himself to God. John was appointed as the forerunner of, of Jesus, the prophet of Jesus. He, he had a, a clear and direct message to their society. He said, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. Those are, were John's words. John was the one who introduced Jesus to the crowds. There's one part in the Gospels where it says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And John also reluctantly baptized Jesus. John had the reputation as a baptizer, so John the Baptist. Uh, And when John did baptize Jesus, the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus in the form of a dove. And everybody saw this. And everybody who was present at that time heard a voice from heaven. And that voice said to Jesus, you are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. So that's John's resume. Those are his credentials, just an an amazing, immense figure uh, at this time. And yet John was the one who asked the question. Of all people, John is the one who asked the question, are you the Messiah or should we keep looking? And that's the shocking part to me that John is the one who asked this. So at the time, uh, at, at the time of this writing, John was sitting in a prison cell for confronting the king, a despicable man named Herod. Uh, a first century Jewish historian named Josephus wrote that John spent a full year in Herod's fortress, in prison in Herod's fortress. And the fortress was called Machaerus. And this is what the site looks like today. So that's the present day site, uh, Machaerus, the fortress and palace complex sat atop this hill known as the Eagle's Nest. 
The Dead Sea is in the background. And then the next slide shows what the structure could have looked like, just based on archaeological findings. That's kind of what archaeologists think this place looked like. So while Jesus is teaching and healing people and speaking to massive crowds, enjoying freedom of movement, John sits in this prison, and we can speculate on John's thoughts. He's, he's sitting there in prison thinking, I've done everything I was asked to do. I, I've lived a hard life in the wilderness. I've delivered a hard, unpopular message. But I pointed the people to Jesus. I was completely obedient, and now I sit in this prison cell alone. What happened? Did I make a mistake? Did I miss something? If Jesus is who I think he is, why hasn't he revealed himself? And so John, in his disappointment, sends his followers to ask the question, are you the one? Are you really the one? And if anybody could have known the answer to this question, we would think it would be John. But the fact that it was John who asked the question shows that we are all vulnerable to disappointment. No matter how, how close we feel to God, we're all vulnerable to disappointment. But his question also leads to the second point I want to address. Disappointment comes from unmet expectations. Disappointment happens when our experience of something falls short of what we anticipate. We expect one thing and get something else. John expected Jesus to act in a certain way. He expected Jesus to do certain things. And when Jesus did not do them, John became disappointed. Because God is so reliable, we seem to think he's predictable. I'll say that again. Because God is so reliable, we seem to think he's predictable. We seem to think he will always act the way he always has. We seem to think he will act in a way that we can understand. John fell victim to this faulty belief as well. Remember that John was a prophet. And like most prophets, he angered people in powerful positions. People would walk long distances to hear him preach in the desert. And he never, he never held back from telling the complete truth. So one of his messages that's recorded in the Gospels is this. You brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. This is a message of John the Baptist. So the axe was sharpened, the fire was started, but Jesus was roaming the hills of Galilee, healing the sick. He didn't seem interested in an axe. He didn't seem interested in a fire. And John was left wondering, where's the axe? Where is the judgment of God that God told me was coming? Jesus failed to meet John's expectations of him. The author Philip Yancey wrote about this topic of disappointment with God. He actually wrote a book called Disappointment with God. Uh, he said that if Jesus had avoided one particular word, everything might have been different. And that word is kingdom. As soon as Jesus started talking about a kingdom, images came to life in the minds of his audience. They thought of bright banners and powerful armies and victorious generals marching into cities. And they thought of this, the next slide. They thought of Solomon's temple 
which was from about 950 years earlier, the height of this kingdom, when they thought about their golden age, this is what they thought about. They thought of the gold and glory of Solomon's temple from almost a thousand years earlier. And they thought of finally getting rid of the Roman Empire, which was occupying their land. So they heard kingdom and thought about this, and they thought about kicking the Romans out. And Jesus had something entirely different in mind. Yancey writes, When the Messiah comes, then at last justice will roll down like a river. The Jews clung to that promise fiercely, like capsized sailors clinging to a life raft. Perhaps John also was looking forward to the justice of a political kingdom. Perhaps he was waiting for Jesus to establish a kingdom on earth and then free him from prison. Regardless, John is left disappointed. Going back to our text, have you noticed that Jesus didn't directly answer John's question? Are you the Messiah? He didn't say yes or no. Jesus answered, the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. Jesus pointed John back to a prophecy, prophecy in Isaiah, and this prophecy described some of the actions of the Messiah, the Savior, the, the anointed one who is going to come. And these were the very things that Jesus was doing. Jesus fulfilled that prophecy. He fulfilled those promises, but not in a way that anyone expected. Disappointment comes from unmet expectations. So is the solution to have low expectations? I don't think so. We should expect God to be at work. We should expect God to move in people's lives, including our own. We should expect God to be involved in the circumstances of our lives, but we must understand that his, inv- his involvement will be different from what we expect. So first we said everyone is vulnerable to disappointment with God, and this disappointment comes from unmet expectations. My final point is also a simple one. Jesus understands our disappointment. Going back to our text, notice Jesus' tone in verse 6. He says, and tell him, God blesses those who do not turn away because of me. It comes across as a gentle, gracious response. He offers a blessing to John. He said, stay the course, keep the faith, and you will be blessed. Don't turn away now. And then John's followers leave, and Jesus is left with his own followers, and he tells them, Of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John. The person who just asked this question, Jesus recognizes his greatness. Jesus did not berate John for his question. Jesus was not disappointed in John for asking the question. Many times, Jesus would criticize uh, the religious leaders who asked questions in order to trap him. But he didn't do that here because Jesus is concerned with motives. Motives matter to him. He will not ignore a serious question asked in good faith. Jesus seems to be saying to John and to us, I understand your disappointment. I can see the past, present, and future all at once. I know that you do not have this ability. You're limited by time and space and whatever happens to be right in front of you. But I have a plan, Jesus is saying, 
that you can't see. He is saying, in this world, you will have unanswered questions. But if you're not offended by my methods or timing, you will be blessed. If you can look past your temporary disappointment, you'll be blessed. If you trust me, you'll be blessed. So how do we apply this truth about Jesus? I think three quick points. Number one, be honest with God about your disappointment. Be honest with him. He can handle it. Number two, ask God to change the desires of your heart. Ask him to align your heart and will with his kingdom. And this is the way to make sure that our expectations aren't simply our own preferences. Matthew 6, 6 says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Matthew six thirty one, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then third, ask God to give you the peace that can only come from him. Philippians chapter four, verses six and seven say this, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So let's pray and then we'll set aside a little bit of time for discussion. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great love for us. We thank you that you know us better than we know ourselves. You know that there will be moments in our lives, there will be times in our lives when we're disappointed in the people around us, be disappointed in ourselves, and sometimes we'll be disappointed in you because you act in a way that we didn't expect or didn't anticipate. So in those moments, we ask that you will help us to trust in you, that you'll help us to not be offended by your methods when they don't align with ours, that we won't be offended by your timing, and that we can look past our temporary disappointment. We thank you for the gracious response of Jesus to John, who instead of criticizing and berating, instead offered a blessing. We thank you for understanding us so well. Thank you for loving us so deeply. And thank you for making your presence obvious in our lives when we most need it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.